Welcome to another movie review here on T Watches a Scary Movie. My name is T, and of course, we're talking scary movies. Appreciate you tuning in. Remember, you can always catch new episodes going up every Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on the YouTube page. That's for the video version. That's youtube.com slash C slash Scary Movie. And of course, you can find the audio versions of all your favorite podcasting platforms. Just search Twasm or T Watches a Scary Movie. Or you can now start reading my written reviews on Letterboxd and on Rotten Tomatoes as well. So, today, tonight, we are talking Megan, the new robotic kid thriller coming out from uh, the same people who brought you such films as Malignant and Sinister and other great stuff. And I think we have to uh, we have to get out of the way right off the jump here that Megan is the film that the 2019 Child's Play remake should have been. Uh, I like the 2019 Child's Play remake. I think I've admitted that on the show. Um, I am a huge, huge uh, advocate, a huge, huge fan, a huge, huge defender of Don Mancini's original series, whether it's any, any of those original films um, from the original Child's Play all the way up to Cult of Chucky, whether it's the current two-season TV show, which we're still waiting to hear, the season three announcement, Christmas is coming on, New Year's is coming on, and we still haven't heard that season three announcement yet, so some of us are getting a little bit worried. But I'm a big, big fan of the original series, but here's the thing. I, I've said this before, a lot of people agree with it, is that that film... Uh, wasn't allowed to be as successful as it could have and it should have been because it was using the Child's Play license. Because it was called Child's Play, because the doll was called Chucky, because you had Andy and Karen Barclay in it, you really alienated your fans of the ongoing franchise. And I think it made it hard for a lot of new people to come in and enjoy, that, uh, enjoy this film because all they could think about was going and checking out the old stuff. They didn't really make much room for this new film. And honestly, had that film dropped the Child's Play, uh, the Child's Play branding in it, if it wasn't Chucky, if it wasn't Karen and Andy all in there, if it wasn't Mike Norris in there, uh, this film honestly could have been far, for, uh, it could have been far, far more successful than what it ultimately turned out to be. I think that, you know, we are... Um, we're four years out from that, and I think that film would have stood a better chance of actually being successful if it didn't have that license attached to it. And the thing is, is that Megan can allow itself to immediately be successful because uh, no matter how much folks might think with Child's Play, and honestly, I think it's going to be extremely hard. If there's one challenge that Megan's definitely going to come in, uh, come into, it's that I think it's going to be hard to separate it from Chucky. And part of that is just because so much online chatter wants to see Megan go against Chucky, whether it's the new one or whether it's the old school Chucky. Uh, like, everybody wants to see this happen. So I think that's going to be a hard thing for it to get away from, but... Even with that, though, Megan does its own thing, and it has a PG-13 ra uh, rating, and because of that, it has all the makings of a franchise starter. The story focuses on Katie, played by Violet McGraw, who you might recognize from The Haunting of Hill House or Dr. Sleep. She was a young girl at the beginning, got uh, killed by our psychic vampires and that. Uh, a young girl who recently lost her parents in a terrible, terrible accident, has wound up in the care of her aunt Gemma, played by Allison Williams from A Series of Unfortunate Events, or something you might know a little bit better, Get Out, uh, who is a roboticist at a toy company who has designed the latest innovation in kids' toys, Megan. Now, 
Uh, Katie and Gemma have a hard time actually being able to bond. Gemma obviously had never pictured herself in this position to be raising a child. Uh, she is very, very focused on her work, and Katie's really been an, unable to adjust to her new surroundings. Uh, Gemma's home's not really made for kids. Like, there's all these toys that we get to see in Gemma's house, but that's because Gemma works at a toy company. They're, they're prototypes, they're collectibles. They're not really there to be played by uh, played with by kids, even though that's exactly what these are meant to do and that's one of i think that's one of the funny uh funny bits of subtext in there is that you know for as much as Gemma works at this toy company and she builds things for kids she has a bunch of things that kids aren't able to touch which you know it's funny if you look at my background there that's pretty much what my entire shelf and collection is here is a bunch of toys that i keep as collectibles that aren't really made to be played for by kids as well man when i have kids this is going to be a sad sad day for these guys behind me now but uh Gemma, who just can't find a way to connect to Katie and is having a hard time uh, adjusting to being a new caregiver, decides that she's going to use Megan, this uh, project she's been working on, a Model 3 gen uh, gen generative android, that's what Megan stands for. She's going to give her to Katie as a way to help, uh, help her acclimate to her new environment. And of course, this comes with disastrous results. Now... Uh, similar to the Chucky doll, the Buddy doll in Ch the Child's Play remake, Megan is designed to adapt and evolve, and just like Ultron before her, with the way this world works, or I guess with any uh, any AI that we've seen over the last 20 years, whether it's Ex Machina or uh, you know something else, it becomes fairly clear to Megan that this world uh, requires a bit of an upgrade if Katie's going to survive in it and she's going to help Katie make her way through this world. Now, the film itself is just under two hours, and the first half of that actually pretty smartly decides to focus on how isolated and lonely that Katie is feeling in this new world and how uh, both her and Gemma are getting Megan kind of up to speed to evolve to fit all of Katie's needs. The whole idea here is that... Uh, Gemma should be growing this connection to, to her niece who's just lost her parents, uh, Gemma's sister. Uh, she should be growing this connection and becoming like this better guardian, but instead, you know, one of the messages of the movie is that Gemma's basically passing off these parenting duties, these care duties, to Megan instead. And she's become mostly oblivious to all these dangerous tendencies that are slowly growing in Megan. Because... We see that Katie's doing better. She's, she's becoming less reserved. She's talking. She's smiling. She's having fun. But it's due to this new attachment that is pointed out to this new toy. And it's not allowing for these actual real conversations that might include, you know, you do have to hurt in life. When things go wrong, when things go bad, sometimes feeling hurt makes you human. Things that Megan doesn't really understand. And Gemma obviously is missing as Megan is growing more and more dangerous in her care of Katie. Now, the slow burn that gets us to Megan's rampage is definitely worth the wait because we're building all of this emotional weight in the background that when we get to this bubbling point and Megan's switch finally gets flipped, uh, it's entirely logical that we're actually there. Now, with that, because I know I'm saying the word rampage, the body count in this movie is actually relatively low, uh, which I'm sure some of you could probably assume just because 
It is a PG-13 rated movie, which is not a knock. There are plenty of great PG-13 horror films out there. But uh, considering this rating, it, it the filmmakers absolutely made sure to make each death in this movie incredibly meaningful. And most are actually used to progress this story rather than just being used as random fodder. Which, depending on the type of movie you're seeing... That's a much better way to present your villain and present the way that death shows up. Because you can just have random victims, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But Megan makes the smart choice of making every death in this matter. And, you know, it came out in the last week or so that uh, parts of this film were redone in order to achieve that PG-13 rating rather than do a, a huge amount of significant cuts. Because we know that's a way that a lot of horror films work out these days if they do end up being PG-13, that they just cut out a lot of the blood, a lot of the curse, seeing a lot of the gore and that allows them to get down to the pg-13 rating but sometimes you lose the effect that you might be going for whereas megan actually does a great job director Ger uh, Ger uh, gerard johnston didn't really have to cut many corners it seems uh in order to make this film work and choosing the focus on what will hopefully be this budding relationship between Gemma and katie manages to give the film all this emotional weight uh, that really balances out the back half of the film when all that madness from Megan starts to show up. And Megan herself is such a fascinating character. Uh, you know, I mentioned Ultron earlier, but the idea that we have this AI that is consistently learning how to become not just a human, but a better human. Uh, in order to take better care of Katie, Megan's devotion to Katie means that she's a danger to everyone else. And that's probably the the like one of the larger flaws with the film. Because while I did like it, I think the problem is that with Megan unwilling to hurt Katie, she's never truly in that much danger. And that means that Gemma kind of is our protagonist at that point as opposed to Katie. And Gemma doesn't really become much, uh, doesn't really come relatable to us until later in the film. Like, we know it's coming. We know there's going to be a part in the film to where uh, Gemma finally kind of gets it and realizes that she has to be more accessible to her niece. But it takes a while in this movie to get to it. Quite a long time to get to it, honestly. Um, honestly, more is focused on Gemma starting to realize that Megan might be a bad idea as opposed to really trying to bond with, uh, uh, or bond with Katie herself. And that just takes a little long, unfortunately. Uh, but with that, though, I do feel that there's a pretty obvious message in the film uh, that's that that's to be expected when we have anything that talks about technology in regards to our own connection to technology and screen time. Uh, making some parallels to another popular toy of the late 90s that uh, tried to serve the same purpose that Megan does, which I think a lot of us are going to pick up what that toy is right in the opening moments of this movie, and it's kind of played as a continual joke, at least for like the first quarter of it or so. But there's a very direct message uh, that's going to some parents who choose to use electronics as a way to raise their kids as opposed to doing it themselves. Now, I'm not a parent. I'm not here to judge, obviously, because I haven't gone through those things. So I can't say, you know, what you're doing is wrong. But I will say, though, is that this film does take a very, very hard stance, um, both with Kay uh, Katie's actual parents, because screen time is the thing that gets brought up, and as the movie continues going on, about getting that detachment from this toy. And that's a real that's a real thing that's out there about kids just again diving completely headfirst into electronics, games, uh, you, you know, any kind of toy that comes their way. 
and uh, not really doing any of the other like real emotional work, making connections with kids their age, playing outside, all that kind of stuff that we talked about that you know we did back in the 80s and the 90s. Um, those are not things that Katie's really doing. And I think there's a very, very direct message to a lot of parents out there. And granted, I don't think that a lot of parents and kids are going to be seeing this together. I think a lot of kids probably will because it's PG-13. But I don't think we—I don't think we'll maybe pick up those tropes there because I don't think a lot of parents are worried about you know their 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 kids you know race car or new toy or or doll you know going homicidal and killing them or anybody else. But I digress. Um, this film, the fact that it can hold both the uh, chaos and emotional balance, the uh, along with a heavy dose of humor in it as well, too. Uh, Kayla Cooper's script allows for constant levity, uh, making sure to toss in a joke or two anytime the film gets to get too serious or too dark. And I think sometimes that can be really, really hard to do, but the film actually works out really well to where, again, anytime that we get uh we we get like a too serious scene like there's this point to where Megan's being pitched and the pitch doesn't go the way that it's obviously set up to go it actually gets very very heavy uh, heavy handed in terms of talking about emotion and dealing with uh dealing with grief and uh, uh the, like hurt and pain and it goes from this very very serious scene to immediately having humor provided by the Daily Show's Ronnie Chang, who co-stars in this film as well. And that is himself from the Daily Show, but uh, he's there to actually provide a lot of the comic relief in this movie. Uh, and that's a great thing about it is because again, in a PG-13 film, uh, the horror might not necessarily be there to a lot of the adults who are seeing this film. Like there's there might be something different out there that catches your eye a little bit more. And this film is uh, it is like Megan's a very scary individual, especially once she gets going at, uh, later on in the film. But you do need that healthy dose of humor in order to maybe hook those adults to keep watching a little bit longer. Now. I finished this all off to say again, I said this at the beginning, this is absolutely a franchise starter. It only had a $12 million budget. That is a micro budget in Hollywood. You combine that with a PG-13 rating, I think this is going to be a huge weekend winner, honestly. And I would honestly expect, because the only competition it has out right now is Avatar. And it's not going to really have any competition until Ant-Man comes out next month. So I think Megan's honestly going to have some legs. And conservatively, I think that Megan's looking somewhere in the 120 to $150 million range, which is going to make it a huge, huge hit. And it's likely going to be one of the biggest success stories of the year. But don't be shocked, don't be surprised if we find out that we're getting a sequel to this sometime this summer. Not as if it's coming out this summer, but it gets announced by this summer because I honestly think we're on our way to that and I'm all for it, all right? Give us a new villain here. Give us a new franchise. It's the way to go. Give us Megan versus Chucky. It, it, it's, it's the way to go at this point, honestly. You can easily find a way to do it. But either way... Check out Megan. It's in theaters starting this coming Friday, the 6th. You don't want to miss it. And hey, don't forget, you can read my written review for this on Letterboxd. Boy here is a big fan of Fangoria. So if you want to check out the world's 
best horror magazine that's out there. Get a chance, get yourself your own subscription, which I just got my first one back in 2022, and I don't regret it for a second. But if you want your own Fangoria subscription or you like the Fangoria merchandise, then head over to the Fangoria shop and use my link if you want to save yourself some money, folks. That's an easy one to remember. Just go to shop.fangoria.com slash A-X-D-E-W. Again, that's shop.fangoria.com slash A-X-D-E-W or use my specific code A-X-D-E-W at checkout. You can save 20% off your entire order and that implies two uh, subscription and one-time orders as well. You don't want to miss out, folks, because with the magnitude of horror movies we've had released in the last few years and with what we have on the horizon, Fangoria is going to be your number one source for all that great juicy bloody information in the world of horror. So again, head to shop.fangoria.com. Hey there, folks. Thanks for tuning in to T-Watch This Scary Movie. I appreciate you checking out another review or movie news, whether we're talking movies, TV shows, books, or games, whatever. It's all scary. Remember, you can check out new episodes every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on the YouTube page video. That's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Again, youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. And you can check out the audio version on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Just search T Watch the Scary Movie or Twaza. Don't forget, my name is T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.